Welcome to The Gap, where it's our mission to bridge the gap between javelin and baseball training styles. I'm Bret Hart, founder of Hitman Performance, head training conditioning coach at Grind Athlete Performance, and ex-collegiate baseball player turned powerlifter. And I'm Dan Labadia, javelin coach at Southern Connecticut State University and the man behind Jack Javelin. Hope you guys enjoy the show. 455 moves slow. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah, man. I can go up. Dude, that was like me today, bro. <laughs> like clean. I was talking about how <laughs> I felt like an idiot because I was talking about how like I was like, yeah, you know, I sprinted, I jumped, I'm warmed up. Like my cinch- my CNS is good. I don't need to feel the weight. I just need to just do it. I went to like from 235 to 255. <laughs> just got bodied. <laughs> you look at the camera. Actually. <laughs> should have felt the weight. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've done this weight a hundred times. And then, I, and then I just get humbled and I just talk about it. And I'm just like, you know, sometimes you just don't have the right song. <laughs> you got to like feel it out a little bit. Like I just rushed a little bit, you know, uh, yeah. today we're going to be talking about competition anxiety, uh, a little bit about what it is, our personal story about it and just how we dealt with it and ways you can avoid it. So going into it, like Dan, what do you think competition anxiety is and like your opinion? What, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, so for me, I look at competition anxiety as like when the stage is like really big and you get like nervous to a point where it it prevents you from performing to the best of your ability. You know, so obviously it's not like, you know, if you perform poorly, sometimes like everyone's just going to have a bad game and then you have injuries and stuff that'll prevent you from performing to the best of your capabilities. But then performance anxiety is like, all right, you are performing poorly because of in, you know, an external factor, right? It's like the stage being big. It's the homecoming game. Like, you know, you might have a college scout come watch you at that game and, you know, and you're getting nervous because of it. You might have like an arch rival or someone that you're going against on the other team that, you know, is causing you to have that extra level of, of nerves. And so, um, when it comes to performance, like when you're not performing to the best of your ability because of that reason, right. Something outside of really like physical capabilities or whatever, that's like performance anxiety in my, in my opinion, just like performing poorly because of something like that. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head about it. It's, it's either external or internal factors. In my mm-hmm. opinion, a lot of it is mental. Mm-hmm. So like I've been saying on a lot of the podcasts is the context I speak of is baseball. Baseball, you have maybe three at-bats a game. And if you put extra pressure on yourself of each at-bat, like you don't know if, if I strike out, I might not play the next game. Uh, they might sub, they might pinch hit for me later on in the game. And I just know that from that experience is just it's you just put a lot more pressure on yourself than needs to be and then you have the external factors of the college scouts big game you're playing for your high school team like your all your friends are on the team that you see every day you have your girlfriend in the crowd watching you like your dad's like in the the left field just screaming his head like all this stuff is just it it's external and internal and i just know for me personally it was all about like not my physical skill that wasn't there like because like I can do everything in practice when it's low stress and just when I put the jersey on like something always used to happen it was just I would just get really nervous and you get into the batter's box and your legs feel like lead 
like your hands are shaking, like, and you're, you're playing like a non-conference game, like it's not even that big of a deal, but just because you put so much pressure on like the logo that you have on your chest, you, you want to make states, you don't want to let your teammates down, you don't want to let your parents down, you want to go play college sports, and then all of that like attributed to like a big mixing pot of emotions that like high school kids don't really know how to deal with in my opinion yeah. like because you have like you're going through puberty you're going through changes and you're really like if you're a high performer like we were like you want to play co- like something in college like you don't know what it is like yeah. I know you had football or javelin yeah I always said I think I would have been better at football only because baseball is you, you do the one at bat and if all you're doing is hitting that game you have to wait 30 minutes to your next one yeah so if you if you struck out your first at bat the whole time you're just sitting in the dugout like waiting yeah. for your next one ba- baseball and javelin obviously we talk about the similarities all the time i think that's one thing that not a lot of people talk about in terms of baseball and javelin being similar is like in javelin when you throw it's literally they call your name and you step onto the runway and everyone just watches yeah the spotlight and, it's a and spotlight, that's how yeah. that's how it is when you're when you're in baseball too it's like if you're a pitcher everyone's watching you pitch before the play happens if you're batting, everyone's watching you bat. And then if the ball gets hit to you, everyone's watching you field it. It's like if you're a shortstop and you bobble the ball, everyone watches you bobble the ball and make an error. And you know what I mean? It's like the spotlight is on you. It's not as much in football where, like, everyone's just piled together yeah, and, yeah. like, no one knows what to get in the crowd. But my mom watching me play football in high school is like, she never knew what if I've had a good game or not. Yeah, yeah, you're like, like, yeah. My mom my yeah. mom would always say she would I would wear um like freak it it sounds so douchey now, but I would wear like <laughs> I would wear like three quarters camouflage, like yeah. white white leggings, like oh yeah, baby. <laughs> so so I so she was always looking for like the camouflage leggings, right? Because I would wear like the Cam Newtons, the high top, yeah, yeah, like yeah. white White ones, and then yeah, have like had like three inches of skin, and then <laughs> pause. Oh my god, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of skin. And then and then I'd have the, the camouflage. So my mom would always like look for that, right? Because it's like, even though I was like one of the taller guys in the field, it's like when you're wearing a helmet and shoulder pads, like everybody looks big. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's that's what like. like I think the most like anxiety-driven position in football is the quarterback. Yeah, that's but, the position or the kicker, like the where kick, the, the yeah, eyes the are all on you. Yeah, that, I feel like you have much more of those experience, like instances in just sports, yeah. like for football, just being football-related is like the people that are singled out and the spotlight's on them. I think that's the people that have the most uh, case to have performance anxiety. Like you don't hear linemen talking about them being nervous. Like yeah. literally just push the dude in front of you. Yeah, like it makes it like you just tap into a primal mindset at that point. Like no one can tell. Like you got four dudes that all look like you on the line, or five, whatever how many yeah. dudes are on the line. They're all big ass dudes that their whole objective is to push the guy in front of them. Yeah, and like that's why. That's why I think I actually did better uh, my freshman year in javelin than my senior year. I, I threw further my senior year, but relative to like my PR, I was better my freshman year, and that was because my freshman year I was all brute strength and power so it's like my PR was 55 and like every meet I either threw 54 or 55 because that's all I did was just mm-hmm. brunt force it I would just get into that primal like mindset and just throw it as hard as I could and then 
when I took the three years off to like learn the proper technique, come back from Tommy John surgery, make all these goals written out and like put a lot of that pressure on myself to come back better because physically I was way better. All my KPIs were better. I was way better technique, way better mobility. And then it was like, because I put all that pressure on myself, even though I was a way better athlete coming back four years later or three years later, I was like, I had more pressure on myself and I was trying to think about the technique more. Yeah. And so it was like, I was trying to think about the technique and I was putting pressure on myself. So it was like, I was less aggressive with it. And I was almost like, I think I was like literally probably going through the motions. Like if you watch videos, I was like not fast, not explosive. You could tell I was thinking a lot and it was like, I lost that like competitive edge because I was like really trying to focus on the technique. But then at the same time, I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to perform. So that was like two combinations where then it was like, all right, well then I had meets where I threw like 59 that year, but then I also had a meet where I threw like, I had two meets where I threw like 53 and 52, which is like awful. You know, it's like basically what I threw in high school and it's like, I was way better than yeah, I was. That's, you know I mean? that's funny you say that because I had a similar experience. Like my freshman year of high school playing baseball, oh boy, um, like I played very well. I was like, there was like no stress. I wasn't thinking as much. I was just going out there and competing. And then it was just, then it got like halfway through the season and the thoughts started creeping in of like, why am I not on JV yet? Like, I got to go get the J, I got to play at JV. Why am I not getting called to varsity? Like, why am I not doing this? Like, why am I not going anywhere? So I was like, do I need to change something? Do I need to perform better? Like, if I just stayed how my mental state was at the start, I probably would have ended up there anyways. But because I was thinking about it so much, like, my performance just tanked because I was just, like, overthinking everything, trying to be perfect, having, like, a perfect swing every time. And then that was just like a huge thing for me of just because I, I dove really deep into the whole swing mechanics and really tried to learn everything and, and I experienced this with coaching a little bit too is just I said this before to people I don't think I've ever said this on here but like the smarter I got like smarter like just learning more about whatever it is I was invested in the worse my performance was because I would just overthink everything mm-hmm. I remember like when I learned about conjugate and triphasic and then isometrics and like everything at the same time I would try to like put it all in into like a program and like look at a sheet of paper and be like, what's the perfect program? Like I'm a perfectionist that needs to be laid out X, Y, and Z and like make it so good. That would take me hours to write yeah. a three week program. And now it's like, I know what works and I can do it in 15 minutes, but I don't think I ever, I never really got that turning point in baseball because I just pride myself a lot more on it. And it was like the whole experience going through high school of just wanting to be that guy, like wanting to be the all-stater, like wanting to be on the Instagram, like wanting to be like the person that wanted to have the, the commitment photo. Yeah, wanted to, wanted to get, yeah, everything, like signing day, like commitment photo, get, get the sick edit, Yeah. like division one, like that was all, yeah. like always a goal. Like One of my clients has talked talk to me about that a lot because they say on the, the achievement board at Upward how everyone's writing like their NIL, mm-hmm. um, national letter of intent, NLI, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, national letter of intent and like or people in town posting about it when they're going to like d2 or d3 schools and he's like dude that was like never a thing it was literally only a thing for like high level division one football and now everybody just does it yeah it's becoming a big obviously social media thing 
Yeah, it's like it's clout chasing at that point. It's like yeah. like I went from loving the game of baseball and playing it because I loved it and competing to playing it to like raise my status within my friend group and within yeah. just the community of being like that guy. And sometimes like that's just not like who you can be made out to be. Like like Nico Organi, like having yeah. to be in Notre Dame and being that guy and going to Iowa. He's in Iowa now, still somehow. Like he's got like twenty seven. <laughs> he's got like like eight years of college eligibility somehow. But <laughs> but um like you see that like in high school. I remember freshman years like I want to be like that. But sometimes yeah. you just can't. Like you that's how to... I was. There was I think he's the offensive coordinator of Berlin High now. But this guy Max DiLorenzo was like, I mean he ended up going to UConn. So it's like it's a good school. But when you're like in sixth grade and you see like this guy like won a state championship, went all state like three times, and like broke every record at the school and then went to UConn and like played, it was a starting running back for UConn when they played Michigan. It was like a big deal. And that's like what I always wanted. And I always found it ironic that the kids on my team who cared the least about the mm-hmm. publicity were the ones who got it the most. Yeah. Yep. And there's this kid, Mitch Mislowski, who literally would like win them like MVP. He was in my grade, but he would like, he was starting sophomore, starting Varsity as a sophomore, like one of the only kids in my grade that that did that, and um, <clears throat> he would like, I was like all about the awards, like I always wanted to be on the back cover of the news, so I could like put it up on my wall and like get the photo of me with like the at the signing day and like all that stuff, and like I always like desired and wanted all that stuff, and it just never happened for me. I mm-hmm. never was never was good enough or was never put in the right position to you know really have the stats to do that right because in order to do that type of stuff in football especially like you need to be like a quarterback or a receiver or if you're a tight end like i was you need to actually have the ball thrown to you instead of being like a blocking tight end and so with him it was like we would have like an awards or like a banquet thing and the kid would like come like he would come like late wearing like a like a polo like didn't care just get get the award get called up take it go back and then just be like mom can you take this like you know have the trophy and just be like i don't want this like what is this like i don't want to take a picture with it like and he was just always like the best and he had that like nonchalant attitude you know it was like just like that's just what he was used to it's how he was his like his whole life um and and he got the spotlight a lot because he was really good but it was like the, the people like me who like really 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 wanted it and like yeah i put the work in to get there but it just didn't really pan out for me that way um it was almost like i wanted it so bad that it was like it just never never happened yeah that was that's exactly like how it was for me too it's just something that like you put in the extra hours like you do everything that everyone says like work hard show up early stay late like do the workouts at 10 p.m at night because you have to fit it in like like wake up early and do the extra reps and I was doing all that but I think I just cared too much like Joel Smith yeah Joel Smith made a post about that two years ago I think now I remember reading that and it stuck with me it's like he would do a lot better if he cared less it's like it because you you just don't want to make your sport your identity and that was my biggest thing is like I was the baseball kid growing up like that was it it was baseball like like my whole identity was the sport so if I had a bad game I had a bad day. It was like if I struck out, it like ruined my week. It was like something that that catastrophic of just like if I didn't perform well, I didn't live well. Like it was one of those mm-hmm. things where like that's not how it should be. Like it's a game. It's not like we're going to war. <laughs> it like 
we're not Navy SEALs like fighting for our lives. Like I'm trying to hit a round ball with a round bat. Like it's against a 16 year old on the mound. Like it's not a grand scheme of things is not a big deal at all. But when you're just that much of a perfectionist and like a high performer, like you really want to succeed, it just takes over your life. And like that obsession mentality, I think works for some, but for the majority of people that aren't like insanely gifted, it's like, I think like the reason, like Kobe has that mindset, like had that mindset, Jordan had that mindset, both extremely talented. Like they were already like nasty at basketball coming into it. Like, yeah. like Jordan, if they were allowed to probably was, could have went pro after high school. Like Kobe went pro after high school. Like they had such like a, a drive and desire to be better plus God given talent and really good genetics. Like as much as they work hard, like they're still six, six, like I could be on the same workout program as Kobe Bryant since four years old. Not going to change the fact that I'm five, nine white. Like, yeah. it's like, it's not, like, and then I'm not, and then I, I can't dunk from the free throw line and like do what they could do in high school at 18. Yeah. Well, that's where too, like we talk about like, <clears throat> like I believe if I worked like really, really hard, like I could throw 70 meters, right? Like, with, by the time I'm like 30 or whatever, you know? And, um, that's the same thing to go say, like when I'm, when I'm talking to like Jordan and Mike Stein, like, uh, Jordan Davis and Mike Stein, not Michael Jordan, <laughs> but like, you know, like Jordan's first year of javelin, he had no coaching, picked it up. He was 16 years old and he threw 63 meters and it's like my lifetime PR right now is 60. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it, I looks like I'm coaching now. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you gotta make that. You gotta make that shift somewhere. Yeah. Like, so it's career, like, you know, it looks like I'm a coach. Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, you know that, that and that and that even when we had Mike on last episode, he was like saying that early in his high school career, he was able to throw end zone to end zone, and it's like, you know, I mean, uh, my my lifetime PR with a baseball, I'm pretty sure is like 85 yards or something. You yeah. Know? And it's like, I. Like, obviously, for those people that know my college career didn't really go very smoothly. But it's, like, at the end of the day, those kids were able to do that with, like, no effort. And so, like, their their baseline was already so much better than mine, you know. So then, then when they put in the work and the years of, like, expertise and then, like, you know, Mike having a, a coach like Kevin and then Jordan having a coach like me got them to that 75-meter level where, you know, they're both super young. Like, Jordan's never even had a full year where he's dedicated to, to Javelin yet. Mm-hmm. And then Mike has competed two seasons in his life, too. You know, so it's like, realistically, it's like Jordan's competed three seasons in college. Mike's competed two years ever, and they're both at 75 meters. But it's like they both could throw over 100 yards with a baseball when they were in high school without even, like, really yeah. trying, you know? So it just shows that, like, yeah, they are extremely dedicated, but they are also like very, very gifted athletes. And it's like for me, I and I, you can relate to this as well. But like I had that workhorse mentality, but I was doing I was doing it in like the wrong areas, yeah. right? Like I wasn't doing it in the areas that would actually make me better. Like I did it in the weight room. I was neurotic about how I ate a lot of calories um, at the beginning, low low quality calories, and then I made sure I got my sleep and stuff, but. Um, that was like, you know, that was like that bodybuilder lifestyle. It wasn't until I had hit rock bottom with Tommy John and stuff that I started working on my mobility and then really took me like 
probably two a year and a half after that to really start learning the technique the right way and even still I feel like I didn't truly truly grasp the right technique of the javelin until like after I was completely done with collegiate track when yeah. I started coaching it and really like really like just taking a step back from the sport and like diving into it and be like oh that's how this is supposed to feel yeah um and like you said it was just like putting the work in the wrong areas and then putting such a high amount of stress on yourself and putting so much of your life value and purpose into the sport um just kind of like like you said like i cared too much and got in my own way yeah i mean i was like i i think i told you about this like that one dominican republic kid he was like 16 getting scouted by uh pros like the yankees and they asked him like when was the first time you ever threw 85 he's like i don't know he's like i have no idea yeah the first time i threw the ball was 93 i'm like all right i can't like i was not like i couldn't yeah. hit the ball that hard i was like yeah. so it's like it's just some people have it some people don't i feel like if i always saw too is like like high school sports i put way more way too much pressure on myself because i made it seem way bigger than it is yeah like like going like to a private school like just want to stay championship sophomore year like being with your boys like having it be like that it was just really like high stress and i wouldn't play very i wouldn't play well at all like not mm-hmm. not very like i wouldn't play well at all then i go to summer and i'm playing with like my summer team with people that do really well in high school that like go like all SEC, like all conference all state whatever and i'm hitting just as well as they are yeah or even better like i batted third in my summer lineup all summer like starting catcher, like I balled out in the summer and then it didn't, it never translated because I like did, I didn't care as much in the summer and I played better. Whereas all my teammates didn't care as much in the summer and played worse. And then when they flipped it, it was opposite. It was like, I cared too much about the high school and I played worse and my summer teammates on like their, whatever teams they're on, they're crushing it, like doing way better than I ever did in the high school career. And that's why I really like summer ball. Like, because it was just low stress. Like, yeah, there's college scouts there, but, like, I didn't care. Like, like, like it's summer ball. Like, just go and have fun. And I never was able to um, make that mental transition to high school sports for whatever reason, mainly because it's just my high school and I wanted to be that guy and just wasn't. Yeah. It's hard to, um, you know, I, I think, like, you're right, you know, it's hard to try to really want to be that person when you're not it's like you could work really hard at it and it's just the thing is it just takes like years and years of development where it's like somebody who is going to work really really hard um like yeah they can outpace like most people like i i think even for myself i think if i look at all of the um the kids that i like went to high school with I'm 24 now. Like, I think that I'm probably one of the only ones that still is like a competitive athlete, you know, like, and so in that sense, like I've outlasted everyone. Like I had one kid that, no, we had two, that kid, Mitch, I was telling you about, he ran track in college and then two other kids played football, one at the division one level. Um, and like, he was obviously really good, but that's like the beauty of, of track is that you could just keep doing it. Whereas, um, you know, in other sports, it's like if you don't get picked up by like a minor league team or like you're not good enough to like go to the CFL, 
we don't really have any other options like semi-pro arena football like for most people it's not really worth it to, yeah. to go do like to put your life on hold to go do that and i think a lot of other sports experience a lot of burnout too doing that type of stuff where um javelin is like a sport where i could continue to do that and still work a full-time job and like you know have really be kind of like a like almost like a freelance javelin thrower where I'm kind of like turning that into my business now, you know? So it's like, that's kind of cool. But, um, but yeah, you're going to outpace them. But that being said, like those kids that were more like talented than me, if they kept with it as long as I have, like they would still probably be ahead of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there was, there was a quote, like, you know, the quote, like hard work, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Yeah. Someone, I for, I don't know who said it, but he said that was, like, incorrect. Like, hard work beats talent when talent just doesn't show up at all. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, like, when talent just doesn't show up at yeah. all, like, that's when hard work wins. Like, if talent literally just shows up and puts in 60% effort, like, you can work as hard as you want. Like, you're not beating uh, LeBron James in a one-on-one. Like, it's just, yeah. not, it's just not happening. So, like, when you, you do, like, get those Tom Brady-type people, like, it clearly has to work really hard, but is also extremely talented. Yeah. And yeah, that's when you get the goats, and that's when you get like in, that's when you get into the goat debates, and that's when you get into the all stars, and the people that are like the faces of their respective organizations. But there's hundreds of people in professional sports that we don't really know about that are in there, and yeah. like you think they no one like the reason why we love Kobe Jordan and Tom Brady and all those guys is because their mentality is crazy they're also extremely talented yeah like there's a ton of people that are just as talented that just don't work as hard but they still get paid 50 million a year yeah so it's like like pick and choose like what like you want out of the sport like if it's like if that's how obsessive you are like tom brady ruined his marriage because of football yeah like jordan uh got into a gambling addiction like, and he had to take years off to go play baseball like yeah because he was so competitive because he's yeah because he's super competitive yeah. so it's just you have to look at yourself and like what you want out of it. And like, obviously we're not saying don't work hard, but yeah, like you just have to realize like it is a game. You're playing a game. Like it's not that serious. Yeah. I think you, I think you got to have a very like well balanced approach to it too, which is hard to have at like a young age, right? Because you always want to do the things that are going to make you feel like you worked hard. And that's kind of where I was. I think it was like a hormonal thing, right? It's like when you had a young guy who, is you know right we talk about like testosterone dopamine it makes hard work feel good right it makes it feel like oh yeah i accomplished this or yeah i put the work in or like like today when i was like slamming my power cleans around it's like i feel like i worked so hard today like that helped me improve so much but it's like did that really help like my athletic performance that much like you know realistically i'd probably be better off spending most of my time just doing some technical work because i know that's my downfall and stuff like that but that's where that comes into play it's like it's very hard for young kids to kind of figure that out on their own you know and that's where that's where the guidance comes into play as coaches is we try to tell them like you know unless you're somebody that's like super super gifted already in the sport then you would really 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 benefit from like adding the strength and all that type of stuff but um you know if you're lagging like in the sport it's like the majority of your time should be spent getting better at the sport. And I think along with that, we kind of shift gears into like how to actually deal with it now. But 
putting yourself in those situations of like those high pressure situations regarding the sport, I think is really important. And I think that's something that I really, really lacked during my um, time at Southern was I was one of two javelin throwers. My last, or like when I was coming back from Tommy John, I was one of two javelin throwers. And then my, um, my senior year when I started coaching uh, Nevin, um, I was kind of just still like not really in that. Like I was teaching him, right? So it's like if I wasn't setting the bar, we weren't really doing. We I was leading the way, right? So I had no one to like really like push me, and um, I never was put in those like higher pressure situations in practice or those competition environments in practice. And that's why now that me, Nevin, and Jordan still train together now, but we have the four freshmen. It's like. Like, you know, we're, we're competing with the plyo balls. We're competing with the med balls. We're getting hype in practice. We're putting you on the spot saying, go, like, you're up. Like, perform, go, do it. Because, like, when you are able to kind of practice that, it makes the actual, like, competition it's going to gonna be better. And that's the huge part that I had wrong was, like, I would have my set approach and, like, I would have my technique, but then I would get out into the actual competition and then everything would go out the window, mm-hmm. right? And it's, like... I lacked that competition experience, and that was very, very evident my last, like, two years, right? Steph Curry talks about that. He says you want to practice so fast that the game feels slow. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't want to be in an environment that is comfortable and slow. Like, yeah. That's just not how the game is played. It's like yeah. you have to practice how you want to play. And I have the same experience of what baseball is that, like, I never really put myself in more of a higher-pressure situation. Like, I'd always just do what was comfortable, like, do the T-work, yep. do the front toss, like, get a little bit of BP, and I'm like, yeah, I feel great, I put some work in, like, I got a ball thrown at me 15 miles an hour, 10 feet away, like, that's not really that much work, like, yeah. and then when you go to the game, I remember going from, like, inside, like, live hitting wasn't live hitting, because, like, you're hitting against, like, your boy, like, it doesn't matter, like, if you, yeah. they, you know exactly what's going to come, like, that wasn't that big of a deal, and you go and play another school, like, a person you have no idea who it is on the mound, I remember just always like the first at bats of the season. You get in the box, and it feels like he's he's actually sixty feet away, but he feels like he's five feet in front of you. Like that's how like it just feels so much like oh shit. It's like you're like oh he's right there. Like it just like that pressure and that depth perception that gets thrown yeah. off, and you're like, am I ready for this? like you you put in yeah. six you put in six months of work for like a fifteen game season, and the first game you're like. Am I ready for this? Like, yeah. Like yeah, dumbass. Dude, like you just yeah, spent, dude. That's just how spent, I felt, like, bro. Every every first meet of the year, I was always like, I bet the, Am I, ready? I bet the run, I bet the <laughs> runway, like you like step on it, like I bet it looked like crazy long. Yeah. Or like every like it just like your depth perception's completely off. Yeah. And you're just seeing it like, whoa, like you just dude. I remember in. playing mind games with myself, like my like because I was I, I when I was in my senior year, I was like. I could feel like, dude, I suck at competing. Like, this is crazy. Because I took three years off of competing. I competed. I was used to competing baseball, basketball, football every year. And then baseball, like, indoor track, outdoor track. Or football, indoor track, outdoor track, whatever. And, like, I always used to was being on a team, being on a team, being on a team. And then there was a three-year period where I wasn't competing. I was just practicing all the time. And I'm like, I remember... Because game day, I always got so hyped in football. Like, Friday Night Lights and whatever. I have my routine and stuff. And, like, with track, I would always, like, get my hair cut the day before. I'd go clean-shaven. Like, I'd have, like, a specific, like, arm sleeve that I would wear. I'd have my uniform in a certain way. And I remember going into meets, like, 
not shaving, not getting my hair cut, wearing a t-shirt when I competed instead of my, my, um, beater or whatever it is like the jersey or like wearing like a different arm brace like wearing the arm brace instead of the the arm sleeve because the arm sleeve was like blue and gray and it looked sick and it was nike where the arm um or the arm sleeve was like a shooting sleeve that looked sick that matched our uniform and then the arm brace was like black and i remember like purposely wearing like my practice outfit to the meet a couple times like and competing in that because i was trying to like play that mind game with myself that like it wasn't a big deal you know because that's where i think i started to kind of realize like i was getting in my own way and then my grad school year is when i started figuring it out a little bit and i improved every meet right but that was just like you know i i never realized like how much competition experience is actually important yeah it's huge and if you never experience it in your training you're just never gonna get used to it and then something i always found is that when we would do team lifts and stuff like versus baseball practice like lifting i was much more comfortable and much more confident in yeah i was like i know like not not really naturally because i i just did it a lot but like i loved lifting and i was good at it right off the bat like relatively speaking to my teammates like i was already much better than most of them with just trying like the first time i squatted at 315 for six like first time ever so i was like I would like, like, I liked when people would, like, watch me lift. And, like, I never got, like, that same anxiety feeling. I would get fired up and be like, let's go. Like, I, I can do this. I can crush this. Yeah. And then baseball, completely different. Like, yeah. no one look at me. Like, I feel like I'm in a shell. Like, my legs, like, they don't feel like they can work. Like, like yeah. I'm getting ready in my stance and the ball's already in the mitt. I'm like, what's, like, yeah. Like I, I don't want I don't want anyone to see me like this. Like, I, I just want to go back in the dugout. Like, like it's completely different. And that's probably why I became a strength coach anyways, is because I just figured out a little bit later than probably I should have, but I'm still young, so it doesn't matter. That I was like, that's my thing. I was like, baseball is like, like, if I truly like just went into that route, I think it would have been better, but yeah, who knows? Dude, that's where, um, that's where like exactly the same thing in my boat, right? Like, like lifting and training was like my comfort zone. And that's where like my downfall was my senior year was because since I was training Nevin like the whole fall semester we were putting in like four hours a day but it was like we were running through like mobility ability like all the static stretching and then we would do um like we would do light picks and just try to find the point and then we would do our crossover drills like just trying to get bouncy nice and slow and rhythmic and then we would lift which for the most part lifting is like slow and contractions and stuff like that that's how i i lifted with him because he was like still learning the stuff like we weren't going right into like a power phase or a speed phase or anything like it was all just hypertrophy and strength the first like six months i was with him so with that being said like like every i got really really good at like the slow stuff right it was like lifting slow and static mobility and like the barefoot jogging and like the barefoot crossover work, the light picks and trying to find the point. I got really good at doing all those drills, but then it was like, like now the way we train, because we're all, this is our fourth year together and we've already had such a good basis of like the mobility and the strength. It's like, we're doing the fast twitch upper body plyos, the fast twitch lower body plyos. Like we're doing like the underweight medicine ball throws, like the underweight plyo ball throws, like really like working a lot of fast twitch stuff thrown out of more of like a, like a fuller approach, like, 
more frequently and like that is always to simulate like how it is in the game like where you can do like we do like pull downs like with baseballs and stuff just to always like um we haven't tested that in a while but we do that type of stuff to like get that competition and environment and compete against each other and and move fast in the meet or in practice so that the meet like feels slower and that's where you don't have to think about it as much either right because javelin is such a technical event that people kind of get lost in like hitting the positions but it's like there's a time and a place to practice hitting those positions but then you need to know what it feels like to go full speed yeah i mean it's the same thing with pitching and hitting in baseball it's like pitching you've seen how some athletes are with how technical they can get with just the throw and they overthink it and it's like, I missed because I didn't have the proper hydration packet 30 minutes before the game and uh, didn't and didn't do my proper routine. Like, nah, dude, you just didn't throw a strike. Like, that's all it comes down to is, like, you didn't hit the mitt. Like, just hit the mitt. And it gets down to, like, just the competition mindset. And, like, all my best, the best pitchers I ever caught were, like, they know, like, certain positions that they have to hit, but, like, relative of, like, what we know and, like, what is, like, they're dumb. Like, they're just dumb. Like, Mike Sansone, he's an idiot, but he knows how to compete, and he'll go up on the mound, and he doesn't give a shit what his hip IR and what his layback is. He does not care. He is going to just try to get that guy up. That's it. That's all. That's like on game day and like in, on the mound. That's all he's trying to do is just throw strikes, get the guy out, whatever to, it takes. He needs to throw the black ball more though. He needs to chuck the black ball. Like get your UCL gone, brother. <laughs> That's how you get stronger. It's simple progressive overload. Yeah. I mean, you can talk to him about it. He's coming back Monday, by the way. Good. But, um, but yeah, it's like, like even then, like, growing up, like, all the best, like... We're going to have him hop on. <laughs> yeah, I will. But I was like, you, that's, I don't we might not have, we might not be able to air it, but... <laughs> <laughs> if he comes out, we might not be able to air it. Just edit it, like... It's like, it's like a censored rap song. It's like, it's like, it's like half the song's blocked out. <laughs> it's, it's like we, we air the episode it's like censor Bobby Schmidt yeah. like you just can't hear half the song we we air the episode and like half of it is just like me like on my computer like paraphrasing what he's it's saying like, it's like so what he meant to say yeah. <laughs> it's just Mike is just sitting here talking it's just my voice yeah it's like, so the, what, like different really, audio like what he was trying to say here yeah but um uh, well yeah so like even at like Springfield like we had PTs on the team that were pitchers and those those people thought like crazy because like oh, yeah. you know how physical therapists are and they like figure out everything like with their body and like they learn like all the biomechanics and the taking kinesiology and doing the table tests and doing all that stuff. Those were the worst. Like they just could not perform at all because they were just hyper analyzed and hyper focused. And then you get the dudes that's like a sportsman man like a sportsman major that or like. I'm not gonna say businessman, <laughs> like a business, a business history, <laughs> history. Yeah, like dude, I had this one friend who's actually one of my groomsmen, but we, when we were in college, bro, and he would, he was an engineer, aeronautical engineering, and so he would intentionally like just crap on other majors that weren't as difficult, and like every time he would give an example of an easy major, he would say a history major, and I'm <laughs> like, bro. Relax. Yo, I'm grinding. Man. This is hard. It's not even that, but it's like yeah. in my mind, like I worked hard in college and like got a lot of experience doing a lot of different things, and like I had the roadmap to like. 
be a history teacher and coach after school so I could go become an athletic director. And an athletic director is a really good job. You just, that's the path that everyone taught me. This is the steps you have to do. You got to go to school. You got to get education. You got to get a master's degree, whatever. Anyway, I don't want to get too off topic. But like, I was like, bro, like my end goal is a good job. And like, stop crapping on my major, bro. It's like every time you say... You, it's a direct diss at me. It's yeah, like, I mean, the majors I don't really even care about. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't even... I mean, look at me now, bro. Yeah, like, yeah now you're a history major that's a jack javelin thrower. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, I know exercise science majors that don't even do anything with it. Like, they're like, there's... Yeah. The major, like, doesn't matter that much. It's just what you want to do with it. Like, Kevin Foster's on the last podcast being like, yeah, I got C's in all my classes. Like, just enough so I was able to compete because I didn't believe anything that they were teaching me. I'm like, yeah, yeah I mean, no one... Like, in this field, like if you're if you're strong with an opinion, like you know what you're talking about, like no one cares. Like, yeah. No one. It's not that big of a deal, but um. But yeah, like the people that are just way too smart suck the most. And yeah. I think that's where I was. Like I was saying before, is like the smarter I got, the worse I performed. It's because you just overthink yeah. everything. I mean, I see that too. Like I saw that with myself, but then even coaching Nevin and Jordan, I I see the same thing between the two of them. Like, Jordan is the type where I coach him, and he says, okay, and he goes and does it. And then Nevin is, like, he's a little different. Like, I, I teach it to him, and he's, like, asking questions. He starts pondering. He starts thinking. He'll try it, and then he'll start coming back to me with, like, you know, I think we should do it this way or that way. And it's, like, I'm trying to get to the point now where I'm letting him kind of be independent and have those thoughts because I think it's, it's okay to – I don't want to be the coach that's just, like – like stop thinking do it my way like i want him to work through it but i try to work through it with him you know what i mean so it's like a faster process than when i was thinking in college and no one was really like there to help me right um at least right then and there in the moment i would consult with kevin like every other week or something but it's like in the middle of my practice like i'm not calling up kevin and having him facetime me during practice so it was different for me but it's like you know you could just see that that jordan has the ability to just like pick up like what you're telling him and just do it and um you know not every athlete is like that obviously and it's like you see the ones that that start to overthink and complicate and it's like they try new things and it always doesn't always work out and it might be end up end up being like a waste of time in the end but you got to work through that and and like i said i try not to be a closed off coach that like says no don't try that or no don't do that like i think it's important i think experimentation is important i mean Austin Yoakum's talked about that before because he worked in D3 and he worked in D1 strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. And he said the biggest difference is just how much faster like the Division One athletes just pick something up versus Division Three. Like if you can come in day one and like I tell you what to do and you do it right away, like it speeds up your progress tremendously. But if I tell you day one to do something and it takes you six weeks to actually figure it out, like you just wasted six extra weeks where we could have tried to done something else. Yeah. So like, that's like what you said about Jordan and Nevin, like that kind of just made me think about that. It's like, Jordan's obviously like a super high level athlete. And it's probably because of that is like, whatever you tell him to do, he can pick it up a lot faster. Yeah. And that's like just a skill acquisition yeah. thing. And, his, and that's just, and he's able to and, just, that compounds over yeah, and, and, over, com- and, over, and, and over and over and over again. And it doesn't, you're not, taking forever to do one thing it's like you can do the one thing and get it right immediately and then you can just go do something else yeah like all right it sticks you got it go yeah that's like with us like with with jordan i'm able to go meet by meet we work on like a different technical thing and it just usually builds up to where the last two years he has pr to the national meet uh, sophomore year 
So he, he PR'd at the New England's and then PR'd at the National Meet. And then this past year, he PR'd at New England's and then had his second for this throw of the season at National. So it's like the last two meets of the year are like the last two seasons have been his best two meets. And it's like, that's because like each meet we work on something and, and obviously like progressively work towards that and he's able to to fix it right it's like i remember specifically like this past year is like after the first meet we worked on um just like we worked on like getting it down the middle more and then what and we just really practiced throwing through the point and getting it down the middle then that didn't work as well as we wanted it to he still improved a little but um then then the second meet we worked on the scap retraction and then after the second meet, we worked on the scab retraction. And then going into the third meet, um, we just, like, kept building off of it, right? And it just led to the two best performances by the end of the season. Yeah. Not everyone's like that, you know? No, like, that's just the difference. Like, that's just the difference between the divisions, in my opinion. And then um, I guess we can talk about, like, from just the performance anxiety of just how to avoid it a little bit. Yeah. It's like, in my thing, like, my personal opinion is if you just – keep the main thing the main thing and keep the sport the sport and you do it until you get can't get it wrong and you practice those high stress situations and you do stuff like that that's a great way to do it um i think anxiety is just a part of it like especially if you do care it's really easy to say just stop caring as much way harder to actually practice that especially when the sport becomes your identity like i hated when coaches would tell me like dude relax I'm like, I'm trying. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm literally trying. I, I yeah. can't. I was like, so I don't think that's like the best way to like go about it. I think people have to go through it themselves. In my opinion, that's how I learn. And like coaches can help and guide as much as you can, but mm-hmm. you don't want to be like the dude that's just like, no, stop. Like, like what you were saying, you don't want to be the closed off coach. Like just keep getting better at your sport. Like how I was with lifting, I was really good at it at the start and I loved it, fell in love with it and that's all I wanted to do and it took away from my baseball training. So I got really good at lifting, confident in lifting. Like while I competed in powerlifting, I had people, I had three judges watch me squat. I was like, baseball, I would have no one in the stands and I'd be nervous. So I was like, yeah. ooh, like yeah. I, I'm trying to hit a ball. So it's like, just keep the sport, the sport, focus on that. I keep having fun with it too. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's a game. Like you're not gonna live or die. Like, I'm sure you still have parents that will love you. Your coaches will still support you. Like you'll still have your friends. Like it's not that it's not the end of the world if you strike out or not or you throw it into the stands or something. Like you throw it into the woods. <laughs> the football slot. Yeah, the football slot. <laughs> you snap it. But it's just yeah. it's just one of those things. Like it's it's not as serious as it is always made out to be. And I think that's what I wish more of the sports world would see. It's like the super motivational like the Kobe Bryant's like it's it's cool to watch and to think and to do but like if you look at all the high level athletes that are very successful very few people have that mindset like very few because yeah. it's just really hard yeah. to like you talk about like the James Harden and like well James and, Harden just and, likes and going out AI like, and stuff well AI yeah AI was like a generational talent he's just like he needed to party to play good. Yeah. But he's not in the gym. He didn't lift weights because he said them things are too heavy. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I think, too, like like we were talking about, really, like you said, keep the sport the sport. Put yourself in those high-pressure situations. 
before the actual competition happens. And I think in the context of javelin, it's almost the opposite problem of baseball where like I had five meets meets a year when I competed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then so I had total fifteen meets in five years at And how many throws do you get? Uh three to six depending on if you make the finals so or say not. Say like five. So to make the math easy. Yeah. So fifteen meets, five throws at each. 75 throws in total, right? My whole career. In your whole career. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that 70, like, you make it, in, like, the percentage base of, like, how many throws, like, actually matter. Like, yeah. javelin, each throw matters a lot. Yeah. Baseball pitchers throw 75 pitches in one game. Yeah, exactly. And they can, they can pitch however many games throughout the season, yeah. like, say, like, 10. So, like, if you mess up one day, just go get the next one. Yeah. Like, it's... Baseball is like an extremely high volume sport anyways. Yeah, and that's where I think like if you're a baseball player listening to this, like I think it is helpful to have that approach that you had when you were in high school, right? Like the first half of the season almost continue to treat it like like you're practicing and like get into the competition environment and don't put the pressure on yourself intentionally. Uh, almost have that attitude of like, oh, it's early season, it doesn't matter. But still try. But like if you could kind of play those mind games with yourself, that's how – that's how Jordan and I compete now, like, especially with him. And I try to preach the same thing with Nevin, too, is, like, early season, like, dude, we're still, like, in a heavy lifting cycle, your first meet. Like, you just want to get, like, a somewhat decent mark. Like, if you could throw within, like, three or four meters of your PR the first meet, it's like, all right, you're going to be on pace to do well. And that's why, like, we were talking about when we had them on of, like, how that first year when he threw a five-meter PR, when he went into the meet and his elbow was sore, he threw a five-meter PR first throw of the season broke the school record like through 70 meters first person in southern history and it's like all right that automatically qualified him for nationals it was like you don't need to take any more throws so yeah. he flew all the way down to north carolina and he took that one throw and that was it it was because it was like early in the season and like he's got plenty of opportunity to keep throwing you know like throughout the year we don't need to treat every single like meet like it's your last like you obviously want those throws to count, but early early stages of it, you want to just kind of build your technique and take the pressure off yourself, get that competition experience, and like get used to throwing with good technique at those higher speeds. Because even if you are throwing full speed in practice, it's still probably not going to be as fast as like a competition. Yeah, you don't have the like, heart rate. Yeah, going. exactly. The like for, not rushing. Yeah. yeah, it's like for me, like I've never thrown close to. I would never would throw close to like my PR in, in practice. Like I would always throw like 10 meters under, um, even if I was trying my hardest Yeah. because the, the, the adrenaline just wasn't there. But I think that that's like a big shift in the training is like, you know, take the pressure off yourself early in the season. Um, and kind of practice getting in that mindset of like, it doesn't matter as much relax, just focus on performance and intentionally put yourself in high stress, high speed situations in practice to train for it yeah that's all i got that's all i got man all right thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next time